0: The fear of saying yes to it because something may come up down the track is so the wrong way to do it. Because if you just make that decision now, I'm going with this one, at least you're building something that you can move over.
1: In the fullness of time, all decisions turn out to be wrong. So the quicker you make one, the more time you have to correct it. The sooner you make the decision, the sooner you can actually make that work for you and continue to make it work for you.
0: Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time, and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your Thursday co-host Samantha Riley. And very happy to have my regular Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde, back joining the mic with me. How are you today, Tim?
1: Uh, he's back. I know, right? Crazy. <laughs> it seems like weeks and weeks and weeks. I've been traveling so much lately. and You have. I've kind of missed it. I, I think I've barely been at home. My wife and son have been joking, particularly my son has been joking about my second family I keep going to visit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask, how's the family feel about it? Because sometimes it's great and sometimes not so great. <laughs> well, I
1: think, look, it comes, it comes back, and we've got to talk about this a bit more today, right? But it comes back to, you know, what's, you know, can you get consumed with your business and what's it for?
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Totally. So we've decided today that we are going to talk about the 11 mistakes that we see business owners making that are going to prevent them from growing and scaling their business. And yeah, this was it was pretty easy, wasn't it, Tim, to pull these eleven together because they're things that we just see over and over and over and over again.
1: Oh, uh, absolutely, Sam. And we work unlimited to ten. But, <laughs> but we couldn't help
0: ourselves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> couldn't help ourselves. And every look, to be honest, everybody does ten. So we thought we might be a bit different and make it eleven.
0: That's right, because that's but what that's are, what we do.
1: They are, I think, really interesting because these are almost universal. Mm-hmm doesn't really matter what business you're in. Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm.
1: If you're customers, you know, these are probably 11 that we we see very similar. And we've been talking a lot about doing a sort of an outtakes reel, but I kind of, you know, almost inadvertently discovered that I'm working with, you know, clients in sort of 14, 15 different industry sectors now Mm -hmm. and no two the same. So I'm going to suddenly add exclusive onto all of my (laughs) sales pitches and make myself more valuable. But. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're in you know, in a trade or in finance or in coaching or in health and wellness or whatever, these are almost universal, aren't they? Mm,
0: mm-hmm, totally. When we were chatting about this, it reminded me of a situation that I was in. It was quite a few years ago. I was actually meeting a client of mine in the city, and he was a client that was very jovial. It didn't matter where we were. People would always talk to him. And I remember distinctly, we were in a bar in the C V D after we'd done a VIP day together. And we're having a chat and as always happened when he was with me, someone from another table walked up and said, sounds like you guys are having fun. What are you talking about? And we started talking about business. And I, I remember distinctly saying to this this person that had come to our table, you know, that I've worked with business owners, I help them to grow and scale their businesses. And he started asking a lot of questions. And I went, look, it doesn't really matter what business because the, you know, whilst the delivery of a business is different, generally, you know, there are the, you know, similar principles or the foundational principles of every business. And he went, great, cool. So if I was gonna be in a, you know, open a bookstore, what would be different? And I went, dude, I just told you, it's the same for all businesses, you know? And I guess that's why I remember it because we all had a bit of a laugh about it. And I think he was just trying to catch me out because he went, ah, you know, touche.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Again, you, you know, there's a process of workflow, right? It goes from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. attract customer, convert customer with value mm-hmm. proposition, deliver to customer, mm-hmm. invoice customer for work done, and hopefully keep customer long term.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, I actually prefer it when it's invoice customer before deliver to customer.
1: <laughs> In no particular order, it's much better <laughs> than the invoice customer that you haven't even met yet.
0: Exactly, exactly. So Tim, let's dive into these mistakes because I know that there's going to be a lot of meat and potatoes in here. So let's start off with the first one, which is choosing the wrong partners.
1: Yeah, look, this is an interesting one. I think when we look at these big super unicorn companies and by super unicorn companies, really talking about household brands that didn't exist 20 years ago, right?
0: So the first one that comes to mind for me is Canva. They are a super unicorn company. Yep.
1: Canva's absolutely a super unicorn. Facebook, Apple, you know, Amazon, mm-hmm. all these massive companies that, you know, we think are, you know, one personality led. Right? Mm-hmm. So Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, and so on, right? You know, we go, Oh my God, these 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 owners are amazing. Mm-hmm. Even if we go into ClickFunnels, Russell Brunson. I only just discovered the other the other day that Russell Brunson has five business partners.
0: I did not know that.
1: Right? I think there are six of them all up. I, can't, I yeah. did not it was wow. his, He did the whole thing from scratch. But it's not the case at all. Often we find with businesses that are more successful. It's actually a partnership.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And even, even, Sam, your business, right? Since Absolutely. Leon, and you've worked much closer, more closely with Leon, your business has taken off mm-hmm. where it was before when it was just you in the business. Correct. And I think that, you know, if we either don't have a partner, the, the number of big businesses that don't aren't have one or more co-founders is mm-hmm. actually very, very small.
0: It is. And I think that's because well, <laughs> it is for so many reasons. Number one, it's just having that support and that sounding board. But Two is you will often find, and 9.9 times out of 10, they really bring different skill sets to the table. And I think that's mostly what it's about. You know, you mentioned Leon and I, the way that him and I work and our, you know, what I would call zones of genius are completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Wealth dynamics is another, um, another. I'm just going to say Wealth Dynamics. If you don't know it, look it up. I'll pop it in the show notes. But him and I are on a completely opposite of the spectrum there too. So we work together in tandem and are able to hand each other off at different points.
1: Yeah. I think when you when you understand that, and this, there's an element of vulnerability, I think, in doing this, right? It's knowing what you are really good at and doing more of that mm. and working out what you are not good at and getting someone else in to do that, you know?
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Now, it might be... A key staff member, it might be a business partner if you want to, you know, go down that route. But you know, knowing that you cannot do everything.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and what you said there, I really want to highlight. We're not talking here about having another founder or a co-founder. It isn't necessarily having that. Sometimes it may be, but sometimes it may be having that key employee that comes in that works with you. But it is. Like it's having another person there to come in and do business with you.
1: Yep. Number two, not having a clear message or offer.
0: Oh my goodness. I see this all the time and the conversation normally goes something like this. Sam, I'm not really, you know, I need more leads in my business and I go, cool. Let's just stop there for a minute. Tell me what your offer is. Well, you know, like people can work with me this way or that way. No, 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 stop. Like, what's the actual offer? Like, what's that one thing, that one course, that one offer with that one price point, with this one clear outcome that they get? And most times people can't if they're having trouble sort of building their business or growing their business, they really struggle with this piece.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I see the same thing. I as a lot of our listeners go, I do a lot of networking events. And the number of times I hear people get up and then they'll kind of get into this long-winded explanation of what it is that they do. And I'm like, I've tuned out already. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: What is the thing you solve and who is it for and how does it make my life better? Kind of yeah,
0: thing. exactly.
1: I really nail it down and get really clear and succinct about what it is that I think that you're doing for people will transform things. And I've I've even looked at you know businesses that are kind of in the eight figure range and we work with a lot of clients in that space as well. They might not have any of the other stuff put together, right? And they might mm-hmm. not have a great sales process or, you know, understanding their customer. They've got, you know, they're kind of doing all sorts of different things. But the one thing they have nailed is that they know exactly what it is they do it, who it is they do it for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because that's how you make the sales.
1: Yeah. Which actually takes me on to I'm going to jump ahead here. I'm actually going yep. to go to number 10 in our list. We're going to bring it forward. <laughs> and I think this is the number The number three mistake is not understanding who that customer is. It's not just what your offer is, it's also to whom.
0: Yes, 100%. You need to really understand who that one person is that you're selling to. And this is where a lot of people get confused because they're afraid of saying, this is that one person I sell to, because they think that they won't get any different, you know, people that have got different or from a different demographic or, you know, someone that's outside of that box. But that's not the case at all. In actual fact, when you get really clear about knowing who that one client or customer is, you will pick up people in the peripherals, no problems at all, but you'll pick up more of that core customer.
1: Yeah. And there are a lot of them out there. (laughs) There are not as few clients as you think there are except maybe for one-legged dwarven former astronauts. Okay? Totally. Probably a, <laughs>
0: There's probably, probably a step, the niche might be a little tight.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's going to be a very tight niche, but, you know, it exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe. <laughs> <I don't laughs> maybe it doesn't. But if you, you know, your niche is actually much bigger than you think it is and understanding that customer and why they buy from you, I think is really important. Yeah. And I'm happy to share part of our process, and I know you Mm -hmm. do a very similar thing, Sam, as well. You know, one of part of our process we work through with clients is actually going out and calling, picking up the phone and calling clients that you have worked with and saying, hey, what did you, why did you buy from us and what did Mm -hmm. you like about the process? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That tells you so much about who's a good customer and who's not a great customer for you.
0: Yeah, because when you do it with everyone, it helps you to drill down on really what those key features are, I guess, of those real dream clients. You call them, I know, you call them soul clients or soulmate clients because I know that's what Penny calls them. I call them Bollinger clients. It's like that top shelf champagne. You just want that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if you're in a position where you don't have clients yet, go and call 100 people and say, if we were Mm -hmm. to do this, what would be valuable in that for you?
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah
1: and then you'll look out which is this group, and then you'll start looking at what's the commonality with that particular group that you can then put into your marketing and outreach.
0: yeah, totally, totally. Number four is one that you and I were just like. <laughs> it's like this was actually not only the first one that we came up with, but it was one that we were talking about for quite a long time. It's dtw do the work. Oh my goodness, I guess this is like huge for me. just
1: Do the work. Yeah. Have someone do it for you. But ultimately, well,
0: the work needs to to be done regardless.
1: (laughs) You know, oh my God, this would be so awesome. I keep what I, you know, 17 year old son with lots of 17 year old mates. And I keep looking at them and they're going, oh, I'd love to be rich. I don't want to be filthy rich. I want to be able to drive Ferraris and all sorts of stuff. I'm going, what are you doing for that? Oh, nothing.
2: Yeah, it's not going to come
1: to you. I to go in and say, yeah, you're going to do the dishwasher? And he's there on the PlayStation. Oh, I'll do it soon. I'll clean my bedroom yeah. soon. Later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometime today or tomorrow or the next day. If you don't do the work, you will not get the outcome that you're looking for.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. This doesn't mean that you need to work yourself, you know, to the ground or to the bone or however you want to say it. It doesn't mean that you need to work 24-7 but you need to be doing the things that are going to move the needle on your business every day. And this is, and I'd love to know how you do this, Tim, but for us in our business, it's getting clear every single morning on what are the three needle movers that we're going to focus on today? Because there's 25,000 things we could be doing every day but it's about, okay, well, let's get these three things done that are going to move the needle. And you realize the other things aren't quite as important as maybe what you thought they were, i.e., you know, we don't need to work on our website every single day where some people were like, oh, I can't, you know, I haven't got my website quite right yet. I haven't got my website quite right yet. It really doesn't matter that much.
1: Perfection perfection never progress, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm a bit, I mean, I'm write it on the whiteboard, but I come in and write one thing that I need to achieve today and then I'm going to turn to sort of walk out because it's right next to the door to the office. Um, if I haven't crossed that thing off, I turn around and sit down again.
0: <laughs> You're not going anywhere today, mister. <laughs> you, going anywhere.
1: you haven't done that one thing. And you. I think it's surprising how much that one thing, whether it's three things or one thing, it doesn't matter, that one thing actually changes the momentum in your business mm-hmm. uh, you know, and gets you so much further. And if you've got team members, if they do the same thing, if they're just doing one thing a day,
0: mm-hmm. now
1: if you imagine if you had 20 team members each doing one thing to progress your business every single day, mm-hmm. how far and how fast you'd go.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, just do the work. Do the work.
1: All right, number five. I love this one. Not understanding what your business is actually for.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're talking about this from a personal perspective, right?
1: Yeah, I think so, Sam It's important. and I, I love, I can't recall who said it, so kudos to them because it's made a big influence on my perspective that your business is not the goal. hmm Okay? Your business is there. It might have been you because I know you talk about this a lot. Your business is there to wrap around and support the lifestyle that you want. hmm That's its purpose.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Focus on what does the lifestyle want to look like, and then build the business that supports the lifestyle.
0: Hundred percent. I am massive on this, and I'm really, really like it's the the number one thing that I talk about for a reason. I didn't get this right the first time, the first time round. I created a business that I would thought about where it was sitting in its own little bucket. So there was like business over here. And then life over here, and I was trying to do both separately, and it doesn't work. It just does not work. You've got to figure out what am I actually doing this for, and then that business brings you the income to be able to, you know, fund that lifestyle or, you know, whatever it is that you want out of your business. Yeah. Change it
1: up. Right? You don't want a life-work balance. when we don't want a work-life balance. We want a life-work balance. mm mm-hmm. right.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yep. well, I think you know coming into that, and and certainly a couple of our clients I've started working with lately, I've kind of put this front and center into the conversation and says, you know, what is the number that you would want to, If someone came to you and said, "Here's a bunch of cash, I want what you're your, you know, I want that business, I want what it does,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what would it be for you to kind of walk away and have the lifestyle?
2: Because mm-hmm. if you don't
1: have a number, well, again, what are you doing it for? We I mean, do it one hundred percent. All right, or are we doing it because we actually wanted a lifestyle from the business?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's go to number six. I think this Paper. is <laughs> yeah is all around pricing, specifically. But then there's you know split-offs of pricing of things like discounting, and this is definitely as we we're putting this this episode together had some really interesting conversations. Are you willing to share, Tim, without obviously without who the client is, but what you were talking about in regards to discounting?
1: Yeah, I think this is one and discounting actually affects it goes straight to your bottom line. That's the thing, right? So not Mm -hmm. understanding, you know we're gonna talk about that in a sec, but not understanding what your costs are in terms of cost overruns. Right. So if you if you've got a salesperson, for example, says, oh, you know, I'll knock off a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever, just to sort of get the client across the line. And then your delivery team, whoever they are suddenly take five or 10 or 20% sort of more time to do it. You may actually find yourself growing your business, but not actually growing your profit. Mm -hmm. Just complete opposite of what we
0: want. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And often, you know, we, I think it's a confidence in our delivery to say, look, this is what I want to be able to do this work. And the confidence to almost walk away from it in some cases as well, because we, you know, getting yes, get, yes is awesome because it gives us a bit of a dopamine hit. It gives people something to do and feel, oh my God, I'm, I'm productive. But it's not necessarily coming back to, you know, issue number five, will it actually progress your lifestyle? Yeah. And if it doesn't do that, it's probably not stuff you want to be doing. And so it's very easy to say, yep, yeah, I'll meet you halfway or I'll make, give you a discount, But if you're doing that, you're actually potentially compromising the integrity of your business. Yeah. More than you know.
0: And you're turning your offer or you're commoditizing it rather than thinking, what is the outcome that my client or my customer is going to achieve and what is that outcome worth to them? So you're flipping the script from talking about the dollars to, hang on, I'm just trying to match. A product or a service to what it is that you want, and they're two completely different conversations.
1: Yeah, we'll go this into more detail you know in a, in a further episode, but the example that we we spoke about, Sam, was I've got a client that I'm we kind of started to do some work with their sales guy regularly discounts to meet a lower price competition. Mm-hmm. Like, right and this lower price competition says we can do it for cheaper, we can do it for cheaper, we can do it for cheaper, right? But they have a superior quality of service, Mm -hmm. which presumably actually costs them more to deliver Mm -hmm. and meets the customer needs more effectively. Mm -hmm. And so by trying to price match with this lower price competition, but at the same quality of outcome, in some cases, much better quality outcome, they're actually significantly compromising their ability to deliver to a client Mm
0: -hmm.
1: long term. And not just that client, but potentially all of their clients at the same time. Totally. There will always be someone cheaper than you because Mm -hmm. they're probably delivering a cheaper service.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So it's why you need to be really clear on the outcomes of what you're providing and what the customer or client will lose or not have from working with you rather than thinking straight about the price. All right, let's talk about number seven. I think this plays into, I guess, doing the work a little bit and that's having a lack of focus. I see this a lot with people uh, doing this thing over here and then a bright, shiny object over here, or we're trying to do this, but, oh, we've got an idea and we're trying to do this. And that lack of focus will give very, very diluted results.
1: Yeah. We're constantly surrounded. I think every entrepreneur, we're constantly around it with shiny baubles. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And whilst I think, you know, just on the other side, the other end of focus is is probably agility, right? We all want to be agile to take advantages new opportunities, but we don't want to be agile to the exclusion of progress and momentum in a single direction. And that's where I think that focus comes from. Mm -hmm, But we don't mm -hmm. want to be so focused that we don't think that there's possibly a slightly better way to get to that outcome.
0: Absolutely. I think it's really important that you know where you're heading or where you want to be in sort of five or ten years' time and then reverse engineering that so that you've got that short-term focus, you know, what we're talking about before. What are those one, two, three needle movers that you need to hit every day to make sure that you reach the outcomes that you're looking for, being really focused? And you were talking before about someone that had an opportunity to come up where they could flip and potentially earn a lot of money. But it was going to take them away from their original business idea, which meant that they would lose their positioning in the market. So you've got to decide, well, do we go over here where there is the potential to make a lot of money? But it means that when you come back to you know point A, in the, where you were in the first place, you're not going to have built what you wanted to build. So, I've said that all the time. I've done that. Absolutely. We awesome. We're human.
1: <laughs> a couple of years ago, I took a short-term contract and Absolutely. I pretty much had to put my business down right at its infancy as I was starting to get momentum to go and pursue this opportunity, this other opportunity. I'm like, no, would I have done that again? Probably not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you've also got the learning. So I yeah. think that's, yeah. not Day older,
1: read- day wiser, Sam, I like to think.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, number eight. Number eight. There is not one single person that's listening to this that isn't going to go, uh-huh, that's me. And that's fear. Fear is the biggest thing that I see holding people back. Whether it's fear of risk, a fear of putting themselves out there, a fear of being judged. Fear of making
1: the wrong decision. I think, yeah. is, is, you know. What if something goes wrong? Yeah. One of my very early mentors in project management taught me something that has stuck with me for the last twenty five, twenty-six years, twenty-seven years or so. And he said in the fullness of time, all decisions turn out to be wrong. Mm-hmm. So, the quicker you make one, the more time you have to correct it.
0: Oh, I like that. Oh, I really like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, your investment in your CRM right now, right? In twenty years' time, there will be a better one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. which will do more. Right? The you know the relationship you started. You know, in the fullness of time, it will turn out to be the wrong one. And somewhere else, you know, you'll need to adapt and do something else. You know, the higher you made will turn out to kind of move on and go, oh, I wish I had someone for longer. But the sooner you make the decision, the sooner you can actually make that work for you and continue to make it work for you.
0: Mm, totally. And let's just talk about that CRM piece just for a minute. And I'm just going to pull that out as an example. The fear of saying yes to it because something may come up down the track is so the wrong way to do it because if you just make that decision now, I'm going with this one, at least you're building something that you can move over. That's just one little example of, of what we're talking about. And I think that one of the advantages that I see that business owners have that grow quite quickly is the ability to make decisions quickly because you can always pivot and change, but if you don't make a decision, you, you can't grow something, build something, you know, do something. You're just sitting in a land of limbo. Yeah, absolutely. Number nine. Number nine, not understanding your numbers. There's so many numbers we need to know in our business. We need to know our financial numbers, so you know what's sitting on your profit and loss, what's sitting on your chart of accounts, your marketing numbers. And your sales numbers, you need to know your financial marketing, and your sales numbers to be able to grow because, you know, you can't improve what you don't know.
1: Hopefully you also know your staffing numbers so are not paying for people you don't actually have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've been paying for this person. Where have they been for the last year? Let's hope is this not. <laughs> like, who
1: is this on my payroll?
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh. It happens in big corporations. <laughs> it
1: does happen in big corporations a lot. It does happen.
0: A real I think lot. we're
1: all channeling. Lex Luthor, where you know in, in Superman one or two, he takes all little half cents out of the payroll and puts it in his own bank account.
0: <laughs> I've heard some crazy stories of some of the biggest corporates where someone's gone. Oh, what is that? Per- who is that person over there? What do they do? No one knows. <laughs> it's a bit scary, but we're not going to be like that.
1: <laughs> but it is, you know we've we've got as. Small business owners, we have limited resources, and the more we understand how those resources are allocated, the more likely we are to make informed and educated decisions. And that stuff, you know, isn't scary. We don't have to sort of yeah. live on fear. We understand where, where, and when. If we're going to discount, we can. We can do those sort of things, and that all comes from having a real sort of regular and thorough understanding of what you're numbers are. And that's going to be the difference, one of the biggest differences, I think, between you staying as a small or micro business and you really kind of, I guess, helping a lot more people and having the lifestyle that you want.
0: Totally. And I can say, and I know this and I've spoken about this before, when you shine a light onto some of these numbers that you're afraid to look at, once you shine a light, it takes away any shame, it takes away any fear, Because once there's a light there, all of that goes away. So just, you know, open up, have a look. I remember my bank, uh, my bank account. I remember my accountant saying to me years ago that you should be looking in your bank account every morning and seeing what that number is. Don't sort of float through the week, think, you know, not thinking about it or wondering what you have in there. And that's something I still do to this day. And that was years ago he said that to me. I want to know day by day exactly what's going on.
1: I completely agree, Sam. Completely agree. And and looking at some of the key numbers, you know, what's my revenue this week? All right, cash flow is king. Yep. Right. In any business, cash flow is king. If you can't pay the bills when then the, if and when they fall due, technically mm-hmm. we're insolvent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, managing those and going, okay, well, you know, when am I if that's all numbers, okay, when are my bills due and when are my invoices coming in?
0: Yeah, totally, totally. All right, let's talk about number ten. Something that you and no, I hey, I love this. Absolutely. Systemizing. Systems, systems, systems.
1: The scary word, I think. I, I think, you know, going back to me as a sole operator, I've got, oh, I don't need systems. What are they for? Right? You know, I make it up as I go along. The thing that happens is if you keep doing that, there is no efficiency in your business. Mm. Everything costs more and takes longer.
0: It's funny that you said that systems are scary. I'm the opposite. I get scared when there isn't a system because I know that anything could happen. I am. I just systems for me are just the thing, the glue that holds it all together and holds me together, so I don't lose my shit.
1: Look, I'm the same, right? You know, as you know, Sam, and as listeners know, that's. That's part of the thing that we do here in, in my company is we put sales and marketing systems in place so that you have a regular kind of, and then your side is more about the delivery systems, right? But you know, for us, it's all about, can I get more predictability in what it is we do so that I can forecast and have more assurance about what's going to happen in my business tomorrow? Mm,
0: yep, absolutely. Yep. I'm a big believer in systems. It gives us peace of mind. It also gives your client or customer a peace of mind in the sense that everyone kind of knows what's happening. There's a consistent delivery. There's just so many reasons that you want it. But, yeah, definitely putting systems in your business. We're going to break that one down definitely in another episode.
1: All right, let's go into number 11. Last but by no means least Mm. is that that's not seeing the big picture and having
0: perspective. Absolutely. This is... I would say every single business owner, if they're trying to do things on their own, because you get caught into your own perspective or your own truth of what's going on without having someone else giving you a different, well, if you did something different over here, then you're going to get this result. And of course, it's difficult for us. We're in the weeds. You can't see anything in the weeds. and there's two ways that this is playing out. Number one, not giving yourself time out in your business, you know, that quiet time to reflect, to see things in different ways, whether that's meditation or journaling or whatever that is, so that you can come back in with your insights and really get back into the action again. But also having that, that sounding board, that coach or consultant that comes into your business and says, well, have you noticed that this is happening or did you know that there's another way and I saw a really interesting post him on on Facebook the other day with someone saying oh you know trying to build my business but do I really need a coach and it was really interesting because a lot of people were saying nah nah you'll be fine do it yourself and I was thinking hmm I've had a coach since about 2000 like you know that's nearly 25 almost 25 years now that I've had a coach yep. and I wouldn't do it any other way
1: but here's the interesting in that right because I've got a couple of coaches that I work with as well. And we, you and I often have conversations about what's going on in our business. And
0: Yeah, we coach each other.
1: Were, we coach each other, right? So effectively, I've now got three coaches <laughs> in many ways, right? But it is that perspective, right? Even us as consultants and coaches have coaches ourselves to give us perspective and insight and, you know, a 10,000 foot view on our own business, mm-hmm. even though it's what we do for our clients as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Because, you know, you in your business, you know, you kind of, and often you don't have that perspective. You can't see what was working or not working in other people's businesses. Mm -hmm. You've just got your experience and your Mm -hmm. staff. You know, as I said, you're in the weeds every single day fighting fires and,
2: Mm.
1: you know, and your coach is there or your consultant is there is to pull you out and say, let's take a bit of a bird's eye view at what's going on here. And work out where we can do things a little bit differently or a little bit better.
0: Totally. Because we, as business owners, we've got a certain story in our head. There's this story that's running all the time. When someone else comes in, they don't have that story. So it's a lot easier to see. And I don't see it as a as a weakness, having a coach. I see it as a strength.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like It makes for a better business. 100%. Even the best performing athletes in the world have coaches.
0: Yeah. I would be interested to see if there's any Olympic athletes or athletes that make it to the Olympics that don't have a coach. I don't think it's a thing.
1: There's plenty of athletes that don't have coaches who never make it to the Olympics.
0: There. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> plenty.
1: Oh. Let's real quickly recap, these. We are going to go into these in a lot more detail in the individual episodes. But let's quickly recap the 11 business mistakes that that most business owners make. Choosing the wrong partners, not having a clear message or offer, not understanding your customer, not doing the work, Mm -hmm. really kind of losing sight of what the business is actually for, too much pricing and or discounting, lack of focus, fear is a big mistake, not understanding your numbers, not systemizing and creating a repeatable infrastructure and not being able to sort of having a coach or consultant on your team who can pull you out and give you some perspective on the big picture.
0: Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you and hear what they are so that we can make sure that we cover off any questions that you have around any of those topics. Tim, thanks for joining me again for another episode. It's been great hanging out with you here.
1: Been my absolute pleasure.
0: And thank you for listening. We will catch you later in the week for another episode of Influenced by Design. Ciao for now.